Okay, uh, we're talking about the spiritual need for leadership in your life. You need to be leading. Like, what? I'm not a leader. Well, you're at least leading somebody. You are at least leading yourself. So, um, leadership is a spiritual gift. It's something that you might not be a natural leader, but you can learn how to do it. You can actually pray for and receive that spiritual gift of leadership. So, why not? You have access to all the spiritual gifts, so why not go after that very important gift of leadership? Your life just might change. Your life might just shift a little bit. And we've been basing this sermon series off of a book called Lead, and it's from a biblical perspective on, on, on church leadership. And I just want us to have a healthy church. I want, to, I want to be healthy. I want to lead well. I want to lead myself well. I want to lead my family well. I want to lead the church well. I want to do everything in my power and my abilities to be a good leader for myself, my family, and for our church and for our community. And, and we want to encourage you to do the same. And the chapter that we're on is called Candor. And I kind of have a general idea what candor is, but to be honest, uh, I had to look it up. So here's the definition of candor. The quality of being open and honest in expression and frankness. So openness is not necessarily a a trait that comes naturally. Most of us are a little guarded. Most of us put up walls. Most of us don't want to express how we're actually feeling. It's just much easier to bury what's going on and just to to say, oh, I'm okay, everything's fine, when in reality everything is not fine. And so in in the context of church family, We, we have to have candor. We have to be open. We have to be transparent. We have to be as frank as we possibly can. But there's a caveat. We have to do it with wisdom. So wisdom is supreme. The book of Proverbs said, so at all costs, whatever you do, No matter where you invest your time, energy, and money, make sure that you get wisdom, because wisdom is supreme. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Galatians, chapter 6. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and start from verse 1. Chapter 6, verse 1. Brothers... If someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him with harsh words and guilt and shame. (laughs) Restore them gently. So if you have a friend that's blowing it, and then you know it, and they know it, um, look, it's just, you have an honest, open conversation with somebody that's backsliding or maybe they're not hitting the mark quite right and and you restore them gently that is that's what they need and and frankly that's what you need it feels much better it fulfills the desires of your flesh when somebody is doing something wrong to make them feel guilty about it that's our human nature that's our human tendency 
There's entire cultures in this world that are, that are built, like their value is guilt and shame. There's some very influential cultures in society, and, and their, their bottom line value is guilt and shame. That's how they, that's how they, they push their society forward. That is the motivation. Guilt is the motivation. Do you know people like this? Where, you know, they motivate their kids by making their kids feel guilty? They dictate behavior and they manipulate behavior uh, by implementing shame tactics. It's an easy way to get a great result, but it's not healthy. It's not good. The Word of God says that we restore people gently. In order to restore people gently, it's an open conversation of transparency where you implement grace. Grace. Grace is the law of Jesus Christ. Grace is... It's multifaceted. It's extremely powerful. It opens us up to true conversation, true transformation, true change. So, in order to restore somebody gently, you need to be a graceful, gracious person. Restore him gently, but watch yourselves. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. You also might be tempted. Well, that wouldn't be me, Pastor Josh. I'm never tempted. Um, sin, by the way, um, could be anything from sexual sin to slander and gossip. It puts it all in the same category. get back to that. All right, here we go. Here's the, here's the core of what we're talking about. Uh, carry each other's burdens. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. And so in church life, we are to carry each other's burdens. We have to have a context in which we feel free to share what our burdens are in a safe environment. Yeah? This is really, really, really Really, really, really important to me. I want to, I wanna, I, as a leader, I want to make a, a space, a place for you to share your burdens and you can do so with confidence in knowing that what you share will be held safe and secret and secure. You have to be able to share you know, what your burdens are with just you and that individual or you and that group. You're the only ones that are knowing about it and praying about it and working it out. Uh, once it leaves the group, once it leaves that circle, once it leaves that individual and, and your burden begins to, to get shared uh, down the daisy chain, the Word of God has a very specific word for this. It's called gossip. And, and gossip is, again, gossip gets lumped in with the worst of worst of sins. Sexual immorality, murder, slander, lying, cheating, like, and then, there, then there's gossip. It's like the cherry on the top. So um, it's so easy for, for individuals to gossip. 
We have gossip columns. We have gossip magazines. We've got gossip blogs. The whole internet is basically based off of gossip. We love it. It feels so good to talk about other people's problems and how horrible they are, how mean they are, how disrespectful they are. It just feels so good. It feeds our gossip feeds our natural man, our natural woman, our fleshly man, our fleshly woman. It, it, we just like to do it. It's like a pastime. It's almost like the, the American pastime. We've given up baseball for gossip. If anyone, verse 3, if anyone thinks that he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. You have to be honest and transparent with yourself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to someone else. Usually that's what gossip does too. You're comparing yourself to someone else, so you trash somebody else while they're not looking. For each one should carry his own load. Okay, like full stop. Now I want you to pay attention to this. Um, Okay, because I just read... Carry each other's burdens, and this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now back down to verse 5. Each one should carry his own load. Which one is it, Paul? It is almost seems like right... I mean, it's, not, it's even in the same paragraph. It's not even a chapter over. And it almost seems as if Paul is contradicting himself in the same breath. What, what's going on here? What, what is it? Which one is it? Uh, should we share each other's burdens or do we carry our own load? Which, which one is it? It's both. <laughs> it's, the answer is yes. You do both. And I think what I, can, what I can do today in all confidence is I can flesh this out into where, to where we can... We can be people of candor, a community of candor, openness, transparency, frankness, that we can do it, but we can do it from a biblical perspective. We can carry each other's burdens, and yet we can be responsible for our own stuff at the same time. I have a, I have a bit of a pet peeve. I have, a, I have this, this, this saying, this language that drives me absolutely nuts, and I'm not even an English fanatic. I'm not a grammar nerd, per se. Um, and this saying, usually I've heard uh, from millennials. Do we have any millennials in the house right now? Do you, you don't have to raise your hand. Um, but I, I, just kind of in the context of leading and leading millennials, I've heard this phrase uh, over and over again. I don't know if it's just unique to uh, my setting or our people, or what, but I've heard this, this saying, and it just drives me crazy, because, you know, again, I want to foster an openness in our church culture, and years ago, there was a time of tension, or just, not, not tension, but just doing business, just doing church business, and one of my leaders is no longer with us, he comes up to me, and he says, Pastor Josh, Can I just be honest with you? Okay. And you want to you know what my response was? No, man. I, just, I, wanna, I want you to continue to lie to me. <laughs> just, just continue lying. I, I would prefer your lies over you being honest with me.
I understand the intent and the heart, but it's the language and the way that it was presented that, that I got snarky about, right? I understand what he's trying to say. He wants to be frank. He wants to, he wants to feel safe. He wants, wants to be he wants to be open. My other favorite one is, uh, hey, Pastor Josh, can I just be real with you? Like, no, I want, I want you to continue to be fake. I would rather you be fake and phony than be real with me. And so, but again, I understand the intent. So what they're saying, again, they don't have the right communication skills to, to show us what they want. What, they, what they're saying is that, can, I, can we have a conversation where I can be safe in inventing and sharing what's going on inside of me. And so that's the better way to say it. Um, you know, I want to I let my guard down and I want to be open. That, that would be the better way to say it. Uh, basically what they're saying is, can I, can I trust you with my heart? Can I, can I present my ideas and my position um, in a way where uh, I won't be attacked, right? Or I won't be criticized and, and or, or there will be a listening ear and, and you won't gossip. So that's, that's what they're saying. And, and that's, again, that's what we want to do. We want to we bring people into a conversation where they, they can be open and transparent, um, one of the issues inside of church life and church culture in, in America and, and something that we're bumping up against over and over again is this, this thing called church hurt. And church hurt comes from that place of people not feeling safe inside of their environment. It's a real thing, but it's also turning into an excuse thing. Oh, I don't want to go to church because uh, uh, church hurt me, right? I don't want to. I don't want to worship God because you know somebody betrayed my trust and they gossiped, and and so I understand that. And um, I'm a pastor. I've been hurt by church myself. I've been gossiped about. I've had people talked about me behind my back. I mean, it's just it's part of the game. I hate to call it a game, but it's 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 a part of family. And so I get that, and we don't want to do that. We want to, we want to be honest, and we want to be frank, but we also don't want to make excuses for people connecting to God. What's your team, Mike? What's your football team? The, the Commanders. Okay. What? I know. I know. This, this topic came up a little earlier. Man, what did they used to be? I can't say it, or else we'll be, we'll be shadow banned on the internet if I say that word. Um, Mark can say it. But we had this conversation about church hurt and you know, people getting their feelings hurt and, and, and being offended in church and then completely bailing out and even giving up on God because some, some church lady hurt their feelings, right? There's something much deeper. I don't have time to get into on that, but there's something much, much deeper than, than some church lady hurting your feelings and then you abandon Jesus. That's like, that's, a, that's another can of worms, and uh, we'll talk later. But we had this conversation, and, and, and Mike says, well, the commanders hurt my feelings all the time, but I'm still a fan, <laughs> right? <laughs> they even changed the name of their team, and he's still a fan. 
All right. So, my pet peeve again is, can I be honest with you? Can I be real with you? And the answer is yes. We're going to, we just need to be open and transparent. The reason why candor in the context of a church relationship is important is because if we're not open and transparent and um, frank, then the enemy of God can eat your lunch. So, I'll be open and frank and honest with you. This is a struggle for me. I'm an only child. I know how to entertain myself. I know how to make up imaginary friends. Whenever I'm lonely, I just create friends in my head. It works out just fine. I know. And so, um, I can have conversations with myself. I can vent to myself. And over the years, I've learned that's not exactly healthy. <laughs> Having conversations with imaginary people in your head is not, is, is not a healthy thing. So, uh, and again, it, this is easy. For, that's easy for me to do. It's so easy for me to do. You know, I, I, at times I could just, I, I would rather talk about my problems with my dog than, than somebody in church. But I know if, if I don't invite people into my life from a biblical perspective to talk about the things that are bothering me, that are bugging me, then I can't grow spiritually. So there is a, a vital importance and health to allow others to carry your burdens. I don't like to do that. I don't like to let people help me carry my burdens. I can, I can, well, you heard what the Word of God said, carry your own burdens, right? So I'm just going gonna, gonna to ignore that first verse, and I'm just going to align myself with that second verse. So I have intentionally, I have built in people into my life that I can talk to. And this is important because, one, um, I need to be able to share what my struggles are. Two, I need to be able to confess my sins. Uh, three, I need to be able to understand what's going on with myself and what's going on in my environment. In order to do that, I need an outside perspective. And four... If I choose to completely isolate myself and cloister myself, to separate myself from church family and friends and, and people and mentors, if, I, if I'm like, I, I'm going to completely close myself off because I've been hurt once before, uh, you know, 
gosh darn it, I'm not going to get hurt once again. Hurt me once, shame on you. Hurt me twice, shame on me, right? That's a lie from the enemy of God, by the way. And so to be able to, to take a risk and to step out and to invite people into your life and, and to share what's going on, it's a very difficult thing to do. Now, that's one side of the coin. I want to I encourage all of you to, to find people in your life that you can share your burdens with. I want to encourage you to be, if you're like me, you know, if you're a bit of an introvert, a uh, bit of a recluse, if you like to be alone, if you're anything like me, you need to be intentional about inviting people into your circle to share what's going on in your life. If you don't, you're going to begin to lie to yourself and you'll, be, you'll begin to believe your own lies. So I want to encourage, that's one side of the coin on this message is, okay, I want, you, I want to encourage you to be as open, transparent, frank. I want you to apply the spiritual gift of candor into your life. Like, because if you don't, um, you could be headed down a trajectory of, of destruction that you might not even be aware of until it's too late. I'm going to give you an illustration of, of me opening myself up just recently. So I had, a, I had a conversation with a friend outside of this church, outside of ministry. This is a non-ministry believer friend. And genuinely cares for me, genuinely you know, wants, to, wants the best for me and my well-being. And this is an individual that, that I trust. Like, I can tell him anything, and I know that it will be kept in confidence. And I want you to know that that, that relationship took work. It wasn't just laid on the table for me. I had to invest myself into the relationship. And so, you know, in a moment when I needed somebody to talk to and to vent to, um, like, he was there. And then I'd be, you know, how, how are you? How can I pray for you? What's going on in your life? What are your struggles? What are your wins? So these are the types of questions he's, he's asking me, some really important probing questions. Some questions that I don't even necessarily want to answer, but I feel safe, and I answer the questions in a, in a, in a safe environment. I want you to be able to do this. Now, openness, what's the other side of the coin? Wisdom, okay? You need to be able to share your heart. You need to be able to uh, vent your concerns. You need to be able to listen to yourself talk um, from a point of biblical wisdom, meaning that Everything that is going on inside of your head and everything that's going on inside of your heart, you don't share everything. I mean, that seems like opposite of what I just said of candor, but let me explain why. Let me explain what the wisdom is here. Because some people that we have built into our lives that we share things with, um, they may not have the bandwidth to deal or to help you with your problems. They may not have the experience to help you with that specific situation that you're going through. 
And you might be an heir sharing all of your stuff. You might be an heir airing all of your dirty laundry. Let me explain. My friend's asking me the questions. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? What are your struggles going on with you during this season? And then I'm like, all right, bud, here we go. My dog ate my homework. Sometimes my dog does literally eat my work. It happens. It's happened. I got this hip pain here. Mako hates my freaking guts. The church is terrible. I'm, I'm just, I'm like, I'm like blubbering all on my, you know, we started off with some good stuff about, you know, where I'm at with God. And then I just began to emotionally vomit all over my friend. Like I'm beginning, I'm like telling him every Murphy Law thing that's going on in my life. My car broke down this last week and I'm just like, I'm just like going, I'm like, it's all spiritual warfare. The devil's after me. And, uh, you know, I have got a litany list of all of these things that I am, okay, ready for this? That I am, that I am complaining about. And I could see it. I could see it a mile away. It went from, okay, I have this, I have this person in my life that's here to pray and minister to me. And now I am sliming this guy with all of my problems. And I could, I could literally see the shift. I could see his eyes glaze over. And he's like, oh my gosh, I didn't, I thought my problems were bad. <laughs> and, and then once I, once I saw like a, like a shift in his, in, in his body language and his face and like again, his eyes were glazed, like, oh, you know, once I saw that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I have shared too much. Oh my gosh, I am, I am not talking about issues that he could speak into. He can't speak life into these issues. One, he's in a completely different industry than I am. He's a, he's a sales and marketing manager. He can't come near to understand some of the issues that I have to deal with. And so it's almost illegal for me to expect for him to help me solve my problems when it's not in his wheelhouse to solve those types of problems. So this is why it requires wisdom on who you share with and in what you share. Does that make sense? So you have to be careful. Like, what are you sharing? Now, it's not like I can't trust him. It's just like I, I shouldn't be burdening him with problems that he can't even touch or even understand. And furthermore, I, I had shifted my mindset from a place of, okay, you have to get this, my mindset from a place of receiving feedback to an attitude of complaining, all right? If you begin to vent and express what's going on inside of your heart, you're transparent, open, Frank, once you begin to do that, um, you always have, and you're sharing this with a group or with an individual, you, you always have to be in a constant humility to receive feedback. Okay? You have to, you have to receive the feedback. 
If you are venting without a position to receive feedback, instruction, wisdom, like if you don't want to hear it, um, then, then you're complaining. Then you're griping. Then you're whining. And you're not going to get anywhere. You're not gonna, it's not going to do you any bit of good. Um, Philippians. You guys ready for this? Philippians chapter 2. All right, I'm going to start at 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. Okay, ready? Continue to work out your salvation in fear and trembling. That's interesting. That's an interesting verse. For it is God who works in you and will, will and will act accordingly to his good purpose. So God is working in you. He's going to act according to his good purpose. All right, now here's the kicker. You ready? Do everything without complaining or arguing. Wait, what? Do what? Everything without complaining and arguing. I just thought I was supposed to share my burdens. How can I share my burdens without complaining? You can if you're willing to receive feedback. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life in order that I may boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing or labor in vain. So isn't that beautiful? If we can figure out how to be open and frank without complaining, what does the word of God say? It says that, uh, that we'll become pure and blameless in this crazy world, right? Uh, which we will shine like stars in the universe as we hold out the word of life. And I think that that's actually really important. It's a really important bit that we must get is that when you are speaking, when you are counseling, when you are helping somebody that is venting, are you giving them words of life? Hmm? Sometimes when we share our lives, and maybe it's a confessional um, posture, so like, you know, you did some bad things this week. You had some bad attitudes. You had some bad behavior. You just blew it, right? And then you're in a, you're in a confessional posture, like, you know, like, I, I slipped up, I messed up here, and then your, your friend, your confidant, your brother and sister in Christ, they, they begin to restore you gent- gently, right? I have restored people ungently at times. I'm like, you did what? <laughs> What's the matter with you? Why'd you do that? Again, that's that guilt and shame thing. You just kind of have to, when you hear something heavy, you just like have to like swallow it. I'm like, okay, mercy God, give me some grace to help this person deal with their huge mistake. Mm-hmm. 
Now, when we are sharing our faults and our failures, when we are confessing our sin, again, this, this is going to require some wisdom. And at times it's okay to be vague. And again, it depends on your audience. If you're confessing, if, the, if you need to like say, okay, I, I blew this and I want to be able to share what I've blown in a safe place. Okay, I'm just going to go ahead and give you some permission to be vague in certain situations. You don't want to confess all of your big hairy monsters to the first Christian that you meet. And some things that we do that are sin should not be broadcasted over the internet. Some things need to be held in confidence. Proverbs says it is the glory of kings to expose matters, but it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. You know what that means? That means that you just don't you just don't like you don't pants people in public and say, look how horrible they are and embarrass them for things that they have done. So you keep it in confidence. So if somebody tells you something horrible, you keep it in confidence. There's just certain things that should not be out in a public platform. Like, you know, Pastor Michael Jones shouldn't be telling everybody about his horrible rash. That's a burden that the whole church shouldn't have to have to bear with him. It's unfair to, to, to make us try and figure that one out. Pastor Mandy has this addiction to Taylor Swift bobbleheads. She has way too many. Like, it's a problem. But we should not be telling the entire church that Pastor Mandy has an addiction problem. We just now finally got over Pastor Janie's gambling problem. And, you know, we've been able to keep that secret for such a long time that it's working, and, and we've got some victory with Pastor Janie's gambling problem. We were wondering where part of the, why we had a problem with the church budget, and well, we just, that's, <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And then, this requires a lot of grace, but, you know, te- <laughs> she can't. <laughs> yeah, I know, she did. This requires a little extra grace, you know. Teaching Sunday school is a very stressful job. Like those little kids up there, man, they're crazy at times. And and so sometimes you need a you need to we you need to defrag and you need to let your stress out. And so so sometimes you might see Pastor Sarah like smoking cigarettes in the back during snack time. So again, so those are types of those are types of burdens that you don't want to share in public, all right? And so likewise, you don't want to, you know, when you're talking to an individual, you don't want to vomit all over, and you don't, maybe you don't want to share some of the big, heavy stuff, at least not right off the bat. Because sometimes confessing your sins feels good. If you've been carrying a heavy sin for a very long time, and you're like, I need to get this off my chest. I've been carrying these chains around for so long. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unload them all. And I'm going to make everybody feel horrible. 
You know, sometimes when we confess our sins, it hurts other people. That's why it requires wisdom when you confess your sins. So if I confess this sin, if I, if I tell the whole world that I've been sleeping with Susie for the past 10 years, and Susie still goes to church, and if you confess that sin, that means you're also hurting somebody else. You're exposing somebody else, and you don't have permission to do that. You know, like my friend and I was, uh, you know, I was sharing stuff, and then I automatically noticed, wait a minute, I'm sharing this to the wrong person. I need to be sharing this to another senior pastor that kind of understands some of the situations that I have to deal with. Likewise, there's probably certain things that you should not share with me. Like, I want you to come to me with whatever you're struggling with. If you're struggling with sin, come to me. If you need to confess it, come to me. If you're, if you're hurting, if you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with addiction, if whatever you're dealing with, you can come to the pastoral staff and we'll hear you. Um, but if you're a child molester, we're going to report you. Okay? So be, just be careful. Now, maybe you, maybe you did it years ago, but I'm a mandatory reporter, and I'm not the best guy to come to in that situation. Because I've seen that, that sin wreak havoc and devastation on families for way too long. And frankly, since I'm being open and honest, transparent, and candor, I don't have the bandwidth to deal with people with those kinds of sins. they got to go somewhere else. I'm sorry. Until the Lord can do some more powerful work inside of me, like, don't come to me with those types of sins. I can't handle it. I'll tell you where to go, and I'll put a millstone around your neck. I have no, I have no grace for them at this moment. I'm being honest. I've just seen too many people that I've loved hurt by molestation. God's got to do some more work before I can uh, minister to that one. Maybe it will happen someday, but right now I can't do it. Is that open? Is that transparent? Now, um, there are ministries, there's powerful ministries that deal with this specific thing, and they're geared toward it. They have, a, they have, a, they have the, the perfect system all lined up. There's places that you can go if you've ever crossed that line. And I'll leave that there. You guys okay? All right. All right, now. Uh, that's the important part about venting and, and, and sharing, and it actually does. It, it's um, when I was again when I was venting to my friend. This will take some maturity, and it, it's a bit of a skill. When I saw the shift take place, I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I'm sharing too much," and then you need to do this. I want to encourage you to do this. And then I paid attention to what I was actually saying. So you need to, you can hear yourself think. But in a safe environment, you need to be able to hear yourself talk. Now, this is actually a psychological advantage. Uh, Psychologists and psychiatrists, if you've ever had to see one, uh, if you've ever had to see one, um, they, they sit you down, they ask you some open questions, and then they just listen to you. 
They listen, they listen, they listen. They'll listen to you for an hour straight at $300 an hour. And, and they don't say a thing. Why? It's not because they don't know their craft. It's not because they don't want to do their job. It's not because they're lazy. But there is a, there's a psychological benefit for you being able to say what you need to say and listen to your own words that are coming out of your mouth. And then if you have any bit of maturity and growth, you will know and you will recognize that when you are saying something, if it is toxic and if it's hurtful, there are, there's power in your words. And at times, uh, we have this incredible ability to bash ourselves with our own words. We call ourselves horrible things. We say horrible things about other people. So, you know, sometimes we think it, but what's inside of the heart will eventually come out of the mouth. And so sometimes it just needs to come out of the mouth. And so that is the, that's the benefit for talking your problems out and your burdens out. But you got to be in, again, do it with wisdom. Now, on the other side of the coin, so you need to get your stuff out, but on the other side of the coin, you need to be able to be a receptor. You need to be able to be a good listener when people are wanting to share their burdens with you. What they don't want is, they, whether they realize or not, when people begin to share their burdens, they want somebody that will listen to them. Men, this is nearly impossible for us. Because whenever my wife is sharing her burdens with me, well, I just want to fix all those problems, yeah. right? I just want to fix it. It's like, well, you know, honey, what you should do, you should do this, you should do this, you should have this conversation, you do this. And she's like, I don't want you to solve my problems. And they're like, why are we having this conversation then? <laughs> she doesn't want me to solve her problems. She wants me to listen so that she can process the stuff. And so when we, when we are on the other side of the coin, when we are receiving information, one of the best things that we can do is just listen. In the context of Christian churchiness and Christianese, we have this incredible temptation not only to solve their problems, but we also want to give them a spiritual reason for their problems. You know, Pastor Josh, my car broke down, and I'm all broke, and I've got nothing, you know, I've got no good things in my life, and, you know, all the men that I date, you know, they only want one thing, and they're all a bunch of losers, and, and so when I'm, when I'm hearing these things, I'm like, oh, well, they're, they're, well there's something wrong. Well, first of all, uh, quit finding dates on Grindr. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm sorry. <laughs> Very practical information right there. We know where you're going, and maybe that's probably not a good idea. But then, you know, my mind and a lot of Christian people, our minds will go like, oh, my gosh, they've got major problems. There must, there must be sin in their life. There must be something wrong. They must have committed the unpardonable sin. That's a natural reaction. Why? It's because we want to understand what's going on. We want to make sense of what's going on. So, you know, if there is no practical thing, like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll quit, quit going to honky-tonks to pick up women. Honky-tonk. Uh, do we know, know what that, does anybody know what those are anymore? Do they exist? For all you young people, a honky-tonk was a cowboy bar where you go to find dates and stuff. 
Grinder, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, let's see, where was I? Okay, yeah, so there's practical information. Yeah, you know what? Um, you're struggling in your life because you're not following the, the precepts of the Word of God, right? Like, if you don't follow what the Bible says about basic stuff, right and wrong, morality, uh, if you're not faithful, like, then, then you'll, you'll, what you reap is what you'll sow. And if you're not reaping, if you're not sowing anything, you're not going to reap anything. And so there's there's biblical principles. There's the law of the harvest. That's a no duh. And you don't necessarily need a spiritual giant to point those things out. You just need to read your Bible. But there is this thing that I find most frustrating, and that is when bad things happen to good people. This has been one of the things that drives me crazy in ministry. When bad things happen to good people. Why, God? Why would you allow this to happen? Just buried an 18-year-old boy on, on Thursday. God, why would you allow this to happen? This doesn't make any sense. One of our leaders and beautiful man, Michael Friesen, died when he's my age. The good man. And he was relatively healthy. Died before he hit the ground. Why, God? Why, do, why did this bad thing happen to this incredible man of God and this beautiful family? And again, I can go crazy trying to figure this out. My imagination will say, well... Maybe we didn't realize it, but maybe Michael Friesen was a closet satanic worshiper or something, right? He must have had sin in his life. He's paying the, he's paying the dues for something hidden. Look, that's illegal for us to think. We can't use those, those, those reasons just because we want to make sense of why something bad happened to a good person. Look, I haven't figured it out. I have not figured it out. The only thing that I can do is just to offer those situations up to God. I, I don't need to know why. I just need to be faithful to God's goodness. It is also illegal for me to say, God, you owe me an explanation. Right? Does God owe you an explanation? Does God owe you anything? God doesn't owe you a thing. At least of all, an explanation as to why certain things happen. I mean, maybe it's God's providence, maybe it is circumstantial, or maybe it's just a mystery. Maybe it's just because we live in a fallen, broken world where because of the, the taintedness of sin and death, bad things do happen to good people. And so when we receive people's burdens... The best thing to do is just to sit and listen. Mourn with those that mourn and grieve with those that grieve. One of the things that I've learned in ministry when somebody is asking that question, why would God allow this to happen? 
When I first started off, I would like try and figure out some scriptural response. And now I just say, I don't know, honey. I'm really sorry. Let me agree with you. I really just don't know. That is carrying each other's burdens, is being there, being present, willing to, willing, willing to cry, willing to mourn, willing to know that the God is still good, even in the midst of some difficult circumstances. All right, let me wrap this up. I'm going to do a little review. So when you're venting, share, don't dump. Amen? Amen. Be willing to receive some feedback. If you don't receive feedback, then you're just complaining. There is a danger in clamming up, so we do have to be open and transparent. At the same time, you need to trust who you share with. I skip this point. Before you open up to others, are you ready for this? Before you open up to others, before you vent, before you share your burdens, you need to open up to yourself first. You need to be open and honest and transparent and frank with yourself. Why, are, why am I dealing with these problems? What is it, is it a cause and a result? Can, I, can you be honest? Can you have an honest conversation with yourself? And more importantly, before you open up and before you share and maybe dump and vent on someone else, you need to open up, be transparent, and frank with God. You need to, okay. <laughs> you need to ask God. Um, God, can I be real with you? tell you the truth, God? Can I just tell you the truth? And God's like, no, I want you to continue lying to me. No, no I want you to continue to be fake with me. Uh, okay, so you can, you can lie to people. You can be fake to other people, and they might buy it. Um, but guess who doesn't buy it? <laughs> God knows exactly when we are being fake. God knows exactly when we're uh, giving him a, a show, when we're making up excuses, when we're... Um, you know, trying to put, pull one over. Like, you can pull one over on, on other people, even your own family. They'll, they'll believe some of your stuff, but God doesn't buy it. He knows exactly when you're, when you're uh, not being honest. All right, 2 Corinthians, last scripture. Second Corinthians three. All right, ready? Verse sixteen. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, okay, whenever you are open with God, 
So turn to the Lord first. The veil is taken away. What's the veil? It's that, it's that sheet. It's that barrier that separates us from God. There is one. There used to be a big, giant, thick one in Jerusalem. And when Jesus died and resurrected, that veil, I mean, it was supposedly like, like that thick, a curtain that thick. That's pretty cool, huh? And it was ripped in half because there was a barrier between God's children and the Holy of Holies. And so it's gone. And so we need to be able to walk in that. When everybody turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is what? There's freedom. So when you're open and transparent, you're going to find this freedom. When that veil goes down, when you're honest with yourself and when you're honest with God, then there's freedom. And we, who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory, are being transformed into the likeness with everlasting glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. All right. So, true transformation is when we are open, when we take that mask off, when we take that, that, that fake front that we're putting up. The world, we all put a fake front up with other people. Just quit doing it with God. He knows exactly the condition of your soul. And when we're honest with God and when the veil comes down, then true transformation begins to take place and then we begin to step into glory. Not only that, we begin to reflect God's glory. You, we can't reflect God's glory until we are honest with God. And that, my friends, is probably the scariest thing in your walk with God is being completely open and transparent to the Holy of Holies. Why? Because when he shines his light on us, absolutely everything is exposed. Everything is brought out into the light. And you still might have some secret sin or past experience that you're still imagining in your mind. Or you might still have these insecurities and these fears and these things that, that you think that identify you. One of the problems about complaining about all the time is that people have found their identity in their complaints. If they got nothing to complain about, then who are they? What purpose do they have? When all that stuff is gone, when you put down that veil, and you begin to see the light of God, when his face shines upon your face, you reflect his glory. And that's an incredible place to be. All right, let me get the band and the ushers to come to the front. All right, let's be open with the Lord today. If we are courageous, we will never let this experience become rote. We'll always allow communion to be relational. 
And Paul says, before you eat of this bread and drink of this wine, you must be open with God first. Yeah? Why? Because if you're eating this bread and drinking this, you know, this drink, and you're doing it, and you're fake, and you have a fake front, and you're a hypocrite, well, the Word of God says that you'll eat and drink judgment upon yourselves. So you don't want to do that. You want to eat this bread with an open heart and an open mind in a confessional state. I want to direct you, before you receive the bread, take a moment and examine yourself. Examine yourself, like what, what is going on inside of me that I've been complaining about too much? What worries have I let fester into my heart? Instead of praying about it, I've been worrying about it. What or who have we not forgiven? Word of God says before you eat this, you must reconcile to your brother and sister. So if you've got somebody to complain about, if somebody has hurt you or offended you, uh, I want to encourage you to forgive them before you receive this meal. In a way, this is your feedback from all the things that, that you're worrying and complaining and arguing about. This is the feedback. It is only by the body and blood of Jesus Christ that we get into right relationship with Him. That veil comes down. Word of God says, make your request known to God. This is, this is my request. This is my hurt. This is, my, this is what I'm dealing with. And if you do that with an honest heart, I believe that God's going to speak to you right now on a practical thing that you can do to reconcile the situation and to reconcile your soul. You have to be able to have open and frank conversations in the context of the body of Christ. And this is the body of Christ, which has been broken for you, for your salvation and redemption. Receive the body of Christ for the health of your soul. This is the blood of Christ which is shed for you. Without the shedding of this innocent blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. We have all trespassed against others. We've all hurt others. We've all vomited on others. And this wipes away everything, make it, making it completely pure and clean. When you receive this drink, all of your sins all of those things that haunt you, all of the things that you think that you want to identify yourself with, they just wash away. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you so much for this beautiful church and the avenues that you have made that we can continue to minister to our community. 
We thank you that we were able to love on grieving families. We thank you that we were able to help the poorest of the poor in Africa. We thank you that we were able to build healthy families inside of this context to where there's true transformation that takes place with the home. I pray that you bless this offering so that we can continue with our mission to see families transformed by the love of God. God bless you as you give back to God. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. you and keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he be gracious towards you, open towards you, turning towards you in your times of need and filling your home with peace. May the peace of God go with you today. God bless you guys. Have a great week.